Welcome back to Lighthouse 805 Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode in our continuing series, Happiest Place on Earth, Galaxy's Edge. Well, a long, long time ago, in a nation far, far away, God called a man named Abram. He placed a, a purpose on his life, a calling on his life, and really ordained him to have a very specific vision for where he was going forward. I love it. I, I want to track his story today and also relate it to Star Wars, which is uh, easily one of my favorite topics to ever talk about, to watch, to read everything. Um, this, was, this was probably one of the easiest messages to prepare for in my life because I already knew all the data on Star Wars. I still watched Star Wars yesterday just to, just to remind myself. But I, I was, it was hard in, in some ways because I had to like whittle down hours and hours of stuff I really wanted to talk about just to make it a short message and you guys want to be angry at me. So I, I had to narrow it down by attractions at Disneyland. I think that's, that was my, my metric, if you will. Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland is the only place in Disneyland that Patty and I have not been. We've been to everything else. We just haven't been. And which is weird because it's like my favorite thing on the planet. I don't care. We got to go soon. <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. Today's message is entitled Galaxy's Edge, not only because that's the land at Disneyland, but because that's the descriptor that I like to view of where God's throne is held. Galaxy's Edge. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, sits on a throne at the Galaxy's Edge, watching us individually and corporately. Today's message, it's, it, it, we're continuing our series about building happiness and finding happiness is not a destination, it's a journey with Jesus. That's kind of been the tagline this whole time. But we're, we're only like this Sunday and one more Sunday left in the sermon series. We're almost done. Next week is it. This week, I, I want to talk about the point of we're following Jesus, we've heard, we're moving forward, but what happens when when we're just stuck in a moment. It's almost like we're trying to build happiness and it's like, God, I should be happy. I'm with you. I'm doing what you're saying. And there's these moments of, I know, I believe you've given me a promise, but I'm not seeing it yet. And Abram's the perfect one for that. He's, he's the perfect candidate for the story. God, you promised me a son. I still don't have a son. It's been years. I'm wandering around and I'm living in a tent down by the river. Like that is his life right now. And I love it because I wanted to identify certain things that he faces in moving forward with reclaiming happiness. And, and it's really about reclaiming hope. That's, that's the whole concept of, of today's message, hope. Did you know the, the opposite of faith? A lot of times people say, oh, the opposite of faith is fear. Uh, I really disagree with that. It can't be. Because sometimes fear can stir us up to reclaim faith. That's a tool that sometimes God uses to, to stir our faith up. I really believe in, in all the study I've done that the opposite of faith is hopelessness. Hopelessness will really drive you to stay stuck and drive you to not move forward. And it will cause you to not do anything. Hopelessness steals faith away. And so what we need really is to reclaim hope. Where do we place our hope? Number one, 
there is a ride at Disneyland called Smuggler's Run. Smuggler's Run. Number one, Smuggler's Run. It's an interactive flight to smuggle contraband through the system. Okay, so how does that pertain to us and Jesus? Because <laughs> sometimes we want to smuggle things in our own life that is actually causing us to gain hopelessness rather than hope. There are things that we're holding on to, things that we're dealing with, things that we are turning towards that are avoiding the hope that we have in Jesus and are perpetuating our hopelessness. Smugglers run. Genesis 15, this is, I love this. This is where God is talking to Abram just so candidly, and I love this is recorded in the Bible because Abram's attitude in this moment, I feel like, I feel like if we didn't have the vulner, vulnerability, I cannot say that word this morning, vulnerability of people in the Bible, we would just assume that they're perfect and we could never obtain that. But the Bible shows all these imperfections that people have, and, and it's just so, it's so perfect. Genesis 15 says this, After all these things, this word of God came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your reward, your will be grand. Abraham said, God, master, what use are your gifts as long as I'm childless and Eliezer of Damascus is going to inherit everything? Have you ever had a a friend that's like just a bubble popper or maybe you are a bubble popper and it's like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like Abram's like totally the bubble popper in the room. It's like, we're going to do this. Well, we just can't. Okay. (laughs) God, master, what use are your gifts as long as I'm childless? Abraham continued, see, you've given me no children, and now a mere house servant is going to get it all. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? What are things that we smuggle in our life that are preventing us from the fullness of hope that God has for us? A, what we have what we have. It's, it's easy to get frustrated with God when we start taking inventory of what we have over and over and over and over. And it's like, God, do look what I have. Look, look it. I, I thought you promised me it would be this, but now I only have this. And we're fixated on counting the things we do have over and over and over and over, it really takes and distracts us from what God is really speaking to us. Have your, have your eyes ever lost track of focusing on the worship of God and focus on, oh, my, my, my bank account or the things or this or that? It, that's, that's actually where we get the word idolatry from. When our hope is on a material object more than it is of God. It's what we have. That's such a distractor. Abram starts talking about what he has to God, all the physical things, and he kind of gets frustrated because he's like, they're going to get it. And God realizes, is really all you care about is your possessions? And I wonder if God, God in this moment said, I'll give you a son, but it's going to be a while until this works out of your system. B, the, the next thing that, that distracts us is what we don't have. First one is what we have. The second one is what we don't have. 
Does anyone ever fall? You can raise your hand. Like, this is totally me. It's like, you see what you have, and you're like, you, you're like, oh man, this is such a good blessing from God. Thank you, God, so much. This is so great. And then you see, like, your friend is like, oh man, God just answered my prayers. Look what he gave me. What? Ugh! <laughs> like, what you have no longer matters. It is so insignificant because you just caught a glimpse of what someone else has. That's the worst. You know, it doesn't even have to be a material object. It can be like a, a job or a thing or a person or whatever it is. And it's like this jealousy sets in. And it's like this thing that just pulls the hope that God has for us out of our hearts because we're more focused on what they have rather than what God has to give us. Enemy loves doing that. You know what I mean? It's like you're just, your day is totally fine, right? Completely great day, no care in the world. And all of a sudden, someone says something like, oh, look at this. And you're like, I need that now. Why don't I have this? It didn't even matter 10 minutes ago. But all of a sudden, it just does? Smugglers run. It's, what are we smuggling? What, what mental items are we smuggling in our mind that are preventing us from the full hope of God? C, C and B are kind of combined, but it's, it's what others have. I jumped the gun on this on my notes. I'm sorry, I was just too excited. What we have, what we don't have, and what others have. And I love it because Abram completely gives this picture in this scripture. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Abram's heart is, is so telling. He's, he's so possession-based rather than faith-based, rather than God-based. He, he's so caught up in what he has, what he doesn't have, and what others have in this, in this story. And, and God has not even provided a son yet because he wouldn't know what to do with it yet. Because God's promised him is he's going to be a father of, of many nations. He's going he's gonna, to, everyone that comes out of his lineage is going to be the, the chosen people. And God knows that if he has a son in this moment, he's going to pass down those mental baggage down to his kids. And God is waiting for him to get over it so he can pass down a true inheritance rather than one just riddled with frustrations of possessions. He needs, him, he needs this man to grow up. He does not need to be like a spoiled child on Christmas, asking for his present. I only got 39 presents this year. I thought I was supposed to get 40, you know? And he's sitting there with God arguing back and forth about things. And God's like, okay, I'll help you deal with that. And the next moments of Abram's life, are just not great. He has to wander. He has to sin in tents. It's, it's horrible. I don't have enough time to read this scripture today. So then Abram finally moves on. Number two, building a true lightsaber. Uh, this is more history into the Jedi Order that you probably didn't care to know about but I'd like to share it because it pertains today. You're welcome. Um, inside of Disneyland in, in Galaxy's Edge, you can build your own lightsaber, you can craft, you can put all the pieces together and all that, um, which is great. It's, it's neat for kids. 
um, or uh, David, what is what is uh, your your uh, brother-in-law? What is what does he call lightsabers? Not toy. They're not a toy. They're what is it called? He he says it like every time about light. Anyways, if it comes back, just shout out. So before before a Jedi is a Jedi, he's a Padawan, right? If you've ever seen Star Wars, Padawans become Jedis. But before a Padawan is a Padawan, does anyone know what they are? Dude, are you serious? How did you know that? No one knows that. (laughs) They're called a youngling. A youngling becomes a Padawan, a Padawan becomes a Jedi, and so forth. But there's a transitional piece between youngling and Padawan. And that is they have to go through the gathering which means they have to go through and gather the crystal that will make their lightsaber. And this process of getting this crystal is they have to literally go in and face their fears and their pasts and their guilt and everything from their, that was holding them back to their past in a negative way. They have to face it, address it, and then they'll find the crystal. And I thought it was so, so unique in, in a believer's life. Man, the difference between just being young in the faith and becoming a, a Padawan in the faith. A Padawan, the full term is Padawan learner. Someone who goes into the faith saying, I am stepping up into a believer and I'm going to study. And I want to not just be what the word says as being spoon fed, but I want to start stepping into this faith to make it my own. We have to address some certain things and we have to build some certain things in our life. And, and I love this, this scriptures, Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. One of the most critical, crude, essential things, I think I just combined two different words there, things that we can ever do is to take the word of God and make it applicable. We have to make it like this sword. We have to make it a tool in our lives. We have to make it like a lightsaber, if you will. We can't graduate from just being young in our faith to being a seasoned believer unless we get the word of God in us. It's huge. Just like a youngling cannot be a Jedi master without going through the process of the lightsaber and the lightsaber training. We have to get the word of God into our lives we start addressing things in our past we start addressing things in our present and it builds us up with hope for things in our future it's critical and it's one of the most tossed away like neglected things in our life the word of god collects so much dust in so many people's homes open up the bible james 2:23 jumping back to abram And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was called the friend of God. There are three things happening here that really pertain to our Bibles, pertaining to the the sword, if you will, this tool that God has given us. A, believe. Abram believed God. We have to believe the word of God. We have to believe it. We we have to open it up and and actually believe it. But the only way to believe it is we have to get it in us. 
man, if, if you're not in the word of God, I just want to encourage you, figure out what works for you. My, my mom, one of the ways that she, she gets in the word of God is she sits in her garden and she'll read a verse and she'll just meditate and just look at all the flowers and think about the word of God. It, it, it's different for every person. I knew this one guy, he just wanted to read as much as he could, as fast as he could. He just wanted to just keep reading and, and getting, he was, he was very teacher-esque. Like, what's going to get the word of God in your heart? And, and as you learn about younglings going to Padawan, say, they have to go out and they have to find this crystal in this cave and they have to search through millions of crystals to find the one that works for them. With the word of God, we have to identify the scripture that's going to work for us. We have to identify what God is speaking to us. It's, it's for us. We have to believe it. It goes back to the verse, Abram believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. There's a big difference between faith and believing here. This is, this is the concept of knowing it and doing it. B is follow through. If God is speaking to you in the word of God and saying something very specific and it's like, oh, this is really good, is it really good or is it applicable? We need to not just take the word of God and say, man, I just feel so encouraged for the next 10 minutes. But we have to say, I'm going to actually do something about this. I need to take the word of God, apply it, and then start living it out. You know, God said about Abraham, Abraham, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham was not righteousness because no one can be that unless you go through Jesus, but God counted him as it because he took his actions of what he believed in. But he had to have heard God, then acted on it. That's one of the biggest things for us. And then see, the last portion is personal. He was even called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. If, if you watch um, Star Wars and you, and you go through all the different things, every single lightsaber is unique to that Jedi. There's not one that's the same. They all look different. They're all unique. Um, Shoot, I can't get sidetracked. That's, that, we'd be here way too long if I went down any rabbit holes. With every single lightsaber is unique to the Jedi, the word of God, our faith, and our actions is unique to us. What God speaks to us and what we do is personal. That is, we have to build this personal relationship with Jesus. We can't just live on our parents' faith. We can't just live on someone else's faith. We can't, we can't just do what they're doing because that looks right. That's not what God is calling us to do, just mimic someone else. God's saying, I want you to have a personal relationship with me. Do, are you hearing and then are you doing because we have to have this relationship? Number three, life at the cantina. Life at the Cantina, one of the other attractions at Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge, is the Cantina. Um, just being honest, first time I saw Star Wars, seeing the Cantina scared the bejesus out of me. I was terrified. I ran the room. I, did, I had no clue what to expect. And then my dad was like, what? Why are you scared? 
and I was convinced that they were gonna come out of the TV and drag me into there for some reason, and then eventually I got past my fear and I loved all of Star Wars. But life at the cantina, it's this location where everyone gets together, there's music, there's camaraderie, there's all these things happening. And in Abraham's life, he had this cantina-like moment. Genesis 18 says, The Lord appeared to Abram near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet with them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into his tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three says of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to his herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds of milk and, and the calf and had been prepared and set those before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. There's a whole lot going on in this story. This could be an entire sermon series. But I just want to get kind of set it up to some of the interesting things. Did anyone catch Abraham's posture at the beginning of the story? Because I, I like, I know this feeling. I know this feeling. It is a very hot day, and he's sitting in the sun by himself, isolated. His wife's inside doing whatever. He has servants because they're referenced, but they're off on their own. This is the moment in the story where Abraham doesn't have a son, and it's, near, it's the last year before he has a son. Ten months from now, he will have a son. This has been years and years and years following God around, and he's, he's just had it. He's sitting there moping and pouting under the hot sun because he wants to be alone. And he's just sitting there like, <sighs> and this is, I'm, I'm reading into it, and I just, I know it and I feel it. This is his attitude. Are you kidding, God? When am I getting a son? <laughs> it has been decades. And he's just sitting under the sun, all alone, and God walks up with strangers. And he has this critical, divine, defining moment. He recognizes that it's God because he spent so much time with him. And he can either be frustrated and voice what he's going through, or keep serving him. This is, this is like the precipice. This is the cusp. This is the moment before he, he finds out she's pregnant. She's still not pregnant, but after this, God says, I will now, boom, you'll be pregnant. And in one year's time, I'll come back and you will have a son. This is the moment. This is his last test. This is the final thing. This is, this is the, the final story to the first story. The first story is, when am I going to get this? How come they have this? What's going on here? And now he meets up with God one more time. And he sees God and says, how can I serve you? And God goes, you're ready. 
and I love this, sometimes we think that God's not following through in a promise, but in reality, he's just refining our hearts. In, in actuality, we just need to learn and train and rely that God knows what he's doing. It's, it's sometimes hard. You know what? A lot of times it's hard, okay? It's, can we be honest? He's sitting here and he has to decide, will he have a bad attitude or a good attitude? And he decides to serve him, not even just welcome him. He's like, let me get everything I got. So Abraham leaves his thoughts and does something amazing. A, he worships God. Worship is, is not just a guitar. But it really is, is honoring God with preparing what we got and who we are to honor him. I love, I love this. I love how he worships God in this moment. He gets every piece of what he has and brings it to God. He has bread that he knows how to bake. He gets it. He has calves. He knows how he prepares it. He is honoring God with who he is in this moment. That is the best way to worship God. What I have, God, I lift up to you. You know, it, it's, it's really important that we don't miss what worship is. It's giving honor to God. It's taking that moment saying, God, I, I give you everything. I love you. I worship you. Here's my skills. Here's my, here's my everything, God. I give it to you. I'm frustrated, but I give it to you. I, I'm hurting because I'm waiting, but I give it to you. B, remain in worship. I think this is, this is one of the most lost arts in all of North American church. Remain in worship. This is, please, if, if there's anything we're going to take away today, this. This is the one. In the story, Abraham worshiped God. He honored God, took everything that he had, placed it before God, and then says, stood under the tree with him. It's really easy to worship God by saying, here's what I got, I'll see you later, and walk away. But Abraham, it says he remained under the tree. Which our takeaway for that is we need to remain in worship. Whatever our gifts are, whatever our skills are, whatever it is we are honoring God with, it's a constant. It's a remaining. It's a God, everywhere I go, I'm really good at this and I'm going to try to do it. God, I, I went through this in my life and everywhere I go, if I see someone who's hurting for this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you by doing this. Th this is it. This is the honor. This is the worship. It's remaining. And then see community. This is pretty cool in the story. This, this was a story that was just about God and Abraham, but now it involved a lot more people. It was no longer about one man and one God. It was now wrapped up, and I think it's such a, such a beautiful conclusion 
to, to Abraham's life and his lineage of where it started. See, where he started, we looked at his story where it's like, God, they have this, I don't have this, I need this, how am I going to get this? And it was all about him, 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 and then he was looking at God like Santa Claus in a way. You know, give me this, wrap it up, and needs to be nice, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, the end of the story is, I want to bring everyone in. He says, we're going to honor God. He goes to his wife and he says, wife, can you make this? Let's do this together. He goes to his servant and says, I want to give this, but can you help me prepare this? And then the other part of the community that it's really easy to miss is God showed up with strangers. So then he walked over and they, he brought them in too. See, the wife represents our closest relationships. The wife represents the people that we love the most in our life, saying, I want to worship God together with you. The, the servant represents who we lead. Is it our children? Is it people that, that rely on us where we pour and invest into their lives? It's saying, I want to worship God, but you're coming with me. You don't have a choice, sorry. You know, it's, it's those kind of relationships. We got to lead them to God because they can't do it on their own. And then the, the, last, the last component was a stranger. The, these two other strangers that God brought. And how, how does that tie into the story? The two strangers that showed up actually ties in really well with what church is. See, the cantina really, it represents our church. And the strangers that show up represent people that maybe we don't fully know yet. They might be acquaintances or we might meet them that Sunday for the very first time. But the most important thing is when we worship God, we bring who we are to the throne of God and invite those we might not know to. And they become family too. In, in churches, in our church, in all churches, it's, it's not just about what am I getting out of this? But it's God, I want to give you who I am. And if someone there that I don't know, I don't, whoever, I want them to be welcomed into this worship too. And it's this, the smallest minuscule glimpse of what heaven will be in this exact picture. There'll be other people that God has brought in miraculously, divinely throughout their whole lives, sowing seed. They accept Jesus and they're in heaven too. And it's, it's not like heaven's going to be this isolated, segregated place. We're in this together. And we need to start on earth now. Uh, on church Sunday mornings here, if there's someone that visits or someone who's never been here or someone who's been coming a long time that you don't know, get to know them. Worship with them. We need to make sure that we're all inviting just how Abraham was with God walking with two strangers. And the, and the craziest part of the story, they don't even mention their names. Can, can you, what, what even happened? Abraham showed up and had lunch with God and who he brought in. That's the picture of our church because when people come here, God brings them from all walks of life and we intersect in this one place at this one moment. And it's up to us to worship God together. Break down any walls, any hurts, anything, any unforgiveness, anything. Because we need to worship God together. Amen?
all at the cantina. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, speak to us, and, and I pray that we would worship you through thick and thin. We would reclaim the hope that, that maybe we have lost whatever place in our, whatever walk we are in our lives. Give us hope back. Lord, just like Abram, how he started his journey with you and, and his immaturity and the things that he said, and then how he ended his journey with you before the promise actually came. I pray that we would have those moments too where we'd be moving forward, where we wouldn't just feel stuck with the same attitude. But if we don't see your promises right away, work on our hearts, God. I love the journey of Abraham. And I pray for every single person here, God, that we'd all have this journey of transformation. We'd reclaim hope. We know our purpose and we just worship you together, God. We love you so much. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you are enjoying this series as much as we are. For other episodes, opportunities to give, or just find out more about us, visit us at www.lighthouse805.com. See you next time.